everyone, welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I'm your host, Diana Collins, and I'm joined here today with uh, my co-host for the week, for the month, I think for the month, for the month, Miss um, Ona Mills. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate hello, hello. Hey. Hey. And we have our dynamic special guest um, today, Miss Sabrina Countlin. Hey, Thank everybody. You. Thank you. She's going to share her story her of her triumph of dealing with domestic violence and how she has uh, rebuilt herself and continues to rebuild herself because, you know, it's a journey. Right? Indeed. It is, right? So um, let's just open up with, hey, how are you? I'm good. Blessed. Good. Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, whatever you want to share. Whatever I want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm just busy, like you said, rebuilding from everything that happened and just really being focused on the nonprofits that I was blessed with. Mm-hmm. So just making sure that I stay focused, um, continue to move forward and not um, dwindle or stay in the past. So when you... <clears throat> Working on dwindling, you know, not dwindling and staying in the past. What about your past has started you on this path on the journey you're on now? Because it's on, I believe you have several levels to this journey that you're on. Right? <laughs> there, there, there are several journeys. Um, I think it was, it's several journeys because of what happened and where it happened and how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to come back from that. And when I say that, I'm talking about the fact that everybody, anybody that knows me knows my true heart and that at the base of me um, is always my faith based mm-hmm. um, and my faith in God. And unfortunately, <clears throat> my domestic violence happened in my home. But as we talked about in several different aspects of it on mm-hmm. Facebook or in our groups or, you know, across the broad, um, about the different levels of domestic violence, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, or what have you. Um, I dealt with domestic violence in the church as well because um, it stemmed from an affair that my husband had with someone in the church. Mm -hmm. But then when it was brought to the light, the pastor already knew about it. And basically... um, for lack of a better way to say it, dropped me. Because um, being a Christian, you're taught, you know, when you don't have any other place to go or you have, need guidance or, right. you know, you go to your spiritual leader for guidance. I couldn't go mm-hmm. to my spiritual leader because he had dropped me. Wow. And the, the first lady, she was a support system until we had to sit in the office with him. And then it was like wow. she no longer had a voice. Wow. Um. You said that when you um let me cut right there. When you said that you couldn't, cause I'm. When you said that you couldn't go to your spiritual um, leader for guidance, do you mean like because he didn't believe you, or did he um, take sides? What do you mean by you? Couldn't? I would say more so he took sides because it wasn't so much that he didn't believe me because it was outright open. Mm -hmm. Um, like the affair was with the praise and worship leader at the church Mm -hmm. 
And by the time I had come forward, the pastor did not have a conversation with me and my husband about it. He had a conversation with my husband and the chick he was cheating with without me being in the room. Without you being present. And then came back and had a conversation with me and called me a liar and said, I didn't know what I was talking about. They were just friends. Nothing was going on. But before the ink was dry on my divorce, he married her. Wow. Where's the friendship? Because mm-hmm. friendships don't progress from friendships to marriage within a matter of a few weeks or a few months. Mm-hmm. So you started way back when. Right. And so with that, <clears throat> before I went to the pastor, I did my due diligence. I became Sabrina Shanae, P.I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went to this chick's house. I got pulled all the text messages, pulled voicemails, went and took pictures had a picture of my husband coming out of her house and locked the key, locked the door with a key mm-hmm. with his nephew on his hip. Tell you how much access my husband had to some other woman's house wow. who he was just quote unquote friends with. Wow. So what nobody knew, what the, pa- the pastor did know because I had gone to my pastor several times about the different kind of things that were going on in the home mm-hmm. before it had gotten that far. And uh, the only person I had spoken to was my pastor, again, because of my faith base. Mm -hmm. Hadn't talked to anybody else about it. Only people that knew were my dad had to pick me up one time because I left walking from the house with no shoes on and called him from Circle K. So he had to come get me. So my dad knew at that time. No shoes. Um, Pastor knew about it, like I said, because I had talked to him several times. But outside of that, nobody else knew what was going on in my house. Because that's the way we were raised, right? You don't share. Yeah, I was raised. Well, the thing was, it wasn't so much the way I was raised because my the way I was raised is first of all, you don't let nobody jump on you. Mm -hmm. That part. Second part, they jump on you what they tell you leave. But because that was my husband and not just some other dude, and I didn't think anybody would believe me because of who he was in the church. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best me or not one of the was, let me give him his due diligence. The boy is bad. Mm-hmm. One of the best musicians here in the state. And prior to us dating, his reputation was spotless. Nobody had anything bad to say about him, which is why I didn't have a problem with dating him because I never wanted to date a musician and told him that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so because his character was good in the streets, I figured maybe he's different. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes, though. It is when you meet somebody, you you think that you think they're one way, but when you get to know that person, mm-hmm. they turn out to be somebody totally different, right? Because what's was was done in the public, you don't want. You don't see that. that. You don't uh-huh. see don't that. See what happens behind because they doors. don't want. My mom always told me that your outside appearance is more important than your work. It is. It really is. Because you don't want people to think that you're this evil person Mm -hmm. or you're not capable of doing anything like that. Right. And so with all of that, I felt like, and it had been said too, you know, well, you know, my reputation is good. So... You know, nobody would believe anything. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. So I really felt like, well, he manipulated you. I'm, well, my thing was this I'm, 
I was always behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I've always, I grew up in church working behind the scenes mm-hmm. because for me, it's not about what you see me do. Because if you don't never know my name and never right. know what I do, I could care less. Right. It's about me serving in the house of God. Mm-hmm. Right. And because he was in the forefront and I was in the back, it was easy to just push me out the back and keep going because who wants the, that perfect picture of their church right. messed up? Right. So with all of that being said, and this all going on, I really felt like, well, who's going to believe me? Because everybody in the streets has good things to say about him being a musician, has good things to be say about him, his worth ethic, his character. He's, you know, up under all these pastors. He travels with this pastor. He goes in and out of state. Who's going to believe me wow. when he's a minister, a musician, wow. and this pastor's armor bearer? he got a perfect reputation. And this pastor is now building different churches around him. Mm. And here I am. Oh, so they, so they, they still, mm-hmm. even though it's out that he was really dating. Oh, he married her. It, it was out then. It was out then when he when met they, with the, with her and didn't right. meet with Sabrina. So he right. was cool. He knew. So he, he knew it was. It was basically um, cleanup. Mm-hmm. Basically, that right, behind right. the scenes, mm-hmm. hey, you need to get, you need to figure out what you're gonna do because your wife know kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing what's right mm-hmm. and having a conversation with me and my well, husband, he's just as bad as as your. We your don't husband. get there, so <laughs> we we will get there. So I I really felt like, like I said, nobody was gonna believe me or want to hear me because. Here he is with all of these titles. Here this pastor is with these titles. And they're on these platforms. And here I am, work right. behind the scenes. And I don't have a title. Who's going to want to hear what I have to say? Right. But mind you, I was the pastor's armor bearer. The pastor's personal assistant. Mm-hmm. The first lady's armor bearer. Built their praise dance ministry from two to like 20, 30 girls. I was part of the finance ministry. And just been put over all the other armor bearers. All of which I did behind the scenes. Then I was not only told um, I was a liar. I slighted my husband's name. I didn't know what I was talking about. They were just friends. It pushed that moment, pushed me over the edge. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I was suicidal. And I started dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. And I was still broken as I was. Living in a prayer closet, I would get up still every Sunday and every Wednesday and go to the church and be on my post as if nothing was wrong. Mm -hmm. Cry all the way to church, sit on my post, Mm -hmm. while him and her are playing a monkey show in the pulpit, get in my car and cry all the way back home and get back in my pulpit and go back into my prayer closet every week until it got so bad to the point where I couldn't hold it together anymore. So, by this time, it had been probably about three months, and I had lost 35 pounds within two weeks. Wow. Could not remember the last time I had eaten anything. My dad had asked me, he said, hey, did you eat today? And I was like, just that blank stare, like, you know mm-hmm. how you're trying to think and you can't remember? Yeah. And so my dad said, no, he, first he asked me, he said, well, did you eat today? Right. And then he said, when was the last time you ate? Mm. And I just, still with a blank face, trying to go through my head and figure it out, could not remember. And at that point, I busted out into tears because I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember when I ate. 
I couldn't remember anything. It was like I blacked out for three months. All I remember is sleeping in a care closet, waking up at three o'clock in the morning and going back to sleep and waking up at three o'clock in the morning. What happened between then? I couldn't tell you. I literally blacked out. Like I know I had, I know I went to work right for 10 hours a day, Monday through Thursday, because I still had a job, mm -hmm. but I couldn't remember it. I don't remember driving to work. I don't remember driving you home. I just, I could not remember anything. She was functional depressed, yes. functionally depressed. Mm -hmm. And I was suicidal. Mm -hmm. And the, the suicide came later because it started off with depression and going through that part of it. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I just, it was like, for lack of a better way of saying it, you ever hear somebody say they can feel themselves losing it? Oh, yeah. I literally could feel myself. Oh, yeah slipping away mm -hmm. and there was nothing I could do to catch myself I feel like that now I, well not like you know because I'm tired and I'm doing so right. much mm -hmm. but I definitely you know know what you're talking about you yeah know, I like the depression is real I was literally I was slipping away mm -hmm. and couldn't figure out how to catch myself at all like I was I was losing it and so I think what I want to ask, because, you know, I've been knowing you for a year now. Mm -hmm. And um, I only know the the surface mm -hmm. of, of your um, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So I think what I want, what I want to know to get a um, better understanding of your story is at what point after all that that was going on, um, the suicidal thoughts, your depression. At what point did you figure out where you said, you know what, I am worthy. I I I love myself. How can I get out of this depression? How can I start moving forward with my life? Because he's moved on with his life. What, to be honest, what, I didn't have you, that moment. So how did you... It, sound, it sounds funny, but I, I really didn't. I didn't have that moment. Mm -hmm. um, what happened for me was, it was like I went all the way to the bottom of the bottom. Right. Because I had a meeting with the pastor. Didn't help. He told me six times in the meeting, my husband was not coming back, like as if that's going to help. Mind you, this is the night after my mother had called from Africa. And... I had gotten up out of my prayer closet and was literally walking down the hallway of my house to go in the bathroom to take anything and everything. I wasn't nailed down to the ground. Mm -hmm. I didn't care if I drank bleach that day. I just was like, I need to get out of here. Drink, take whatever, go lay down in my prayer closet and be like, Lord, come get me. Now, technically, I know better, but that was the frame of mind I was in at that time. Mm -hmm. And I thank God for my mother who was praying because she called on a, on a Tuesday. She never calls. Outside of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because mm -hmm. I work Monday through Thursday. She called, and I think that was the first step to me coming back. Because my mother called, and I picked up the phone, and I was like, you know how try to answer the phone like nothing's yes. wrong? Yes. But your mom knows. Your you mama can't knows. place that mama knows. They mama know. Knows. And so yes. I picked up the phone, and I was like, hey, mom, how you doing? Mm -hmm. And my mother said, mm-mm. Like, no conversation, not, 
Hey, baby, how you doing? No, mm-hmm. she literally, I, hey, mom, how you doing? Mm-mm. That was her next words. Mm-mm. And she immediately started praying. And from the time she opened her mouth and started praying, she started praying for the spirit of suicide. My mother prayed from Africa for four hours till I literally laid in the floor and cried myself to sleep while she prayed. And when I woke up, I wasn't suicidal anymore. And that was the day this depression started to slowly subside. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day is when, because during that night, my father, not knowing what else to do, called the pastor mm. and the first lady. Mm-hmm. And she called and was like, hey, I heard you. Um, we're suicidal. Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Da, 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 da. And she's like, do you want me to come over? No. Mm-mm. Is there anything I can do for you? No. no. There's not anything you or your husband can help me with. Matter of fact, his parents can't help me with anything either because what people didn't realize was I lost faith in leadership Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just the pastor and first lady. His parents are pastors and first ladies. Wow. And they dropped me as well. They let him take her with him for the holidays while we were still married. Wow. That's so crazy. So how... But it, you would, they would hold other people accountable if the situation was changed, but you didn't hold your, your own, own son, son accountable. accountable. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, How does that work? So knowing that, I, I, knowing you, and I know your faith, and your faith is strong, and oh my God, it's amazing. The amount of... I mean, just standing here next to you, I can feel how strong your faith is and how it has guided you and it builds you and how in the world could you maintain that? I I mean, I'm I'm just in that's what to I'm be honest, I didn't because really, all the leadership and all the people that were supposed right. to be built there to help Support you and you. guide you and give you that and the that thing is up. this. Yes, I grew up in church, and yes, I had leadership around me that was good. But anybody that's truly rooted in Christ will tell you, you have to have a relationship with Christ for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if, it, if I had surface faith, you wouldn't I'd have been gone. gone. Mm-hmm. I'd have checked out of there because the You're- only thing that I had left was God. Mm-hmm. I left the church. I wanted nothing to do with leadership. I didn't want nobody calling and talking to me about going to church because I wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me because I'm not. I dropped out like nobody saw me for two years. They thought I had moved to Texas with my aunt. <laughs> and I was like, ain't no way the devil going to run me out of my hometown. Mm-hmm. I live here. She from California. He from Detroit. I'm from Arizona. You're not going to run me out of my hometown. I don't care how many pastors is running my name through the mud. I don't care how many musicians got to say poet. I live here and I ain't going nowhere. And, and if it wasn't for Christ, I would not be here. It was the fact that I had a relationship with God for myself because that was all I had left. And that's what I wanted you to say because I already knew. Yeah, that's all I, I had left. Knew. I remember all I had, had left. that conversation that if it wasn't for the surface of you believing in God or that oh, yeah. you wouldn't. You I truly that believe that. If I did not have a true relationship with Christ for myself, I would not be here. And your mother is a pastor, correct? Yes. my mother, She's actually an apostle. Apostle and, Jesse Foster. Um, mm-hmm. Being with that said, <laughs> how did your mother 
feel. Knowing that she's all the way in Africa because we talk about your mom. I love your mom. <laughs> she loves me too. She loves you too. Yes. Um, <laughs> how? Okay, because she's a pastor. Um, how did she feel about that? Because I mean, she can't be here with you. To so. be honest, I I can't even answer that. I don't know how she felt because we never really talked about it. Because she's a pastor, so right. Um, but we never actually really talked about how she felt. Or, you know, what her emotions was with her being there and me going through all of that. We never really talked about her actual feelings. So I don't really know. Like, I'm sure it bothered her. Because what mother would it not bother? Did she respect that, you know, you didn't go to church? Because, you know, mom was pastor and she'd be like, look, you don't take her she church. did, but did she, she did respect um, you not going to church. And she did because ultimately what ended up happening was um, I left church in Arizona, period. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I still kept my faith based, my relationship with Christ. And so as I started to heal and to come back, I actually put my myself and my ministries under my mother. So my mother is actually my spiritual covering because for me, I'm at a point in my life right now where how am I supposed to trust leadership? Right. And who right. in the world who? do I trust? Exactly. So that was your because mom one, was your supporter. She right. was your spiritual. And I think I think that it's so important to have um, that support that you can go through after domestic violence because I think that's why most women stay in their situation is because they don't have that support or they don't have that covering. The funny thing was this. When all of this stuff happened, right. I didn't have a support system at first. Right, because your mom was a Which kid. is part of the reason why I think I hit bottom wow. so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, because every, it was like everybody was walking away. Like I said, this pastor talked about me so bad. The five churches that were connected to him, those pastors started running my son name through the mud. And I hadn't even done nothing to them. Wasn't even a member at their church. I got, I got called a C-U-N-T. In front of the church, in front of everybody. Oh, wow. The pastor got in the pulpit and lied and said, she's no longer welcome back at this church because we had to escort her out of here by security. Anybody that knows me can answer that for themselves. I don't even have to address it. They got, they pulled her up in the front of the church, pulled him up in front of the church, prayed for them. Mm. Mind you, I'm put out the church at this point. Nobody's wow. called to find out if I'm okay. Everybody accepted the relationship covered her as if that was his wife and I was the one that had the affair. Wow. If to this day she can walk into a church and nobody has anything to say. If I walk into a church, I get the side eye like I did something wrong. But nobody realizes behind closed doors I got he spit in my face. I was gonna ask you did he I got pinned down. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the last time he jumped on me was on my freaking birthday. And I had given my birthday up because one of his good friends that was like a sister to him was getting married on my birthday. Not only did I give up my birthday so that he could be a part of the wedding, I'm once again in the background helping. Hmm. So things I, I went through being, you know, planning a wedding and it, we all know things happen behind the scenes. Nobody knows about any right. stress trying to fix stuff. Right. So if I can help. Y'all know if I can mm-hmm. help with something, I'm going to jump in and help. Same thing with her. Her planner had dropped out on her. And I was like, look, if you need help with anything, let me know. Because he's going to be part of the men thing anyway. So he's going to be busy with that stuff. 
I'm chipping all day. So if you need help, mm-hmm. let me know. I'll help. Picked up the cake. Went and made sure he had all his stuff. Got into an argument. He acted a complete monkey. Wow. Went to the reception. He wouldn't even talk to me. He came and sat next to me to eat and then went to the other side of the room to go hang out with everybody else. Then left without even telling me he was gone. So while I'm running around helping her and making sure things are good for her, he left. Went home, didn't say anything. And I'm like, where's my husband? So I call. He's like, oh, I left. I was like, and you didn't bother to say anything? He's like, I'm at home already. Got home. Got into a fight. He had jumped on me. Then I was black and blue. I didn't go to church. And anybody that knows me knows I don't miss church. I didn't go to church. He told them at church. I I didn't go to church because I was sick. And they believed it because that was the only time. Don't say that. I was like, that's the only time I didn't go to church. So it was easy to believe. Mm -hmm. Then he went to the store, bought all this stuff. We had a small couch in our room. He set it all up on the couch and then wanted me to go get it. And when I woke up, I looked at it. I was like, "Hmm, I don't want that. For three days, that stuff sat there until he came and was like, babe, please. Like, don't be like that. Like, this is your birthday stuff. And I was like, really? Mm -mm. You jumped on. I gave up my birthday. So you could be a part of your friend's stuff and helped with everything that was going on. And I come home for you to jump on me. Mm-hmm. And then, then there was another time where he had jumped on me. By this time, I was tired. And my god daughter or mentee or whatever you want to call her had bought me a taser. He jumped on me and I was tired. He came at me. I tased him. Next thing I know, he shimmied up, shimmied down, hit the ground, and he looked like he was getting ready to get up. I tased him again and walked away. Then I walked around the corner to my aunt's house, knocked on her door, and y'all see how I leave the house. That day I had on, like, a T-shirt, some raggedy shoes. Like, not raggedy shoes, but, like, sandals. Mm-hmm. Just something I could throw on my feet. And these little bitty shorts. I don't even wear shorts outside. But that's how I walked to her house. And so I got to my aunt's house. I told her what happened. She said, well, is he alive? (laughs) I said, no, she said, what happened? I said, I tased him. She said, is he alive? I said, I don't know. I tased him and walked out. Like, just that calm. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up taking me back to the house because he had taken my cell phone. Um, so I couldn't call nobody, so, which is why I ended up walking around the corner to my aunt's house. And that wasn't the first time he had taken my cell phone. Um, and then there was other things like he would take the car so I couldn't go to work. So how long did this last? Um, I would say probably about the last year that we were married. How long y'all been married? We were married for almost five, but we have been together for almost ten. Was he like that when you I were was dating? Just say that. When what? When you were dating, was he like that? Uh, not in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all honesty, the flags were there. I just missed them. Like in retrospective, looking back, mm-hmm. there was flags. Okay. I just missed it. 
Um, but as far as like physically jumping on me or something like that, that didn't happen until the last year that we were married, mm. which is when like I could pretty much pinpoint and tell when you started dating when this relationship with mm-hmm. this chick started. Because mm. that's probably and when then it was like it was. And then he would make threats. Like, I talked to him one day, and he told me, he was like, say it again, say it again, and I'm going to do it. And I was like, threaten me with something you're not already doing. Thank you. Like, this chick is, and the girl was bold. And she's scary as all get out. But she was bold with it because you got your pastor covering your mess, and now you got him covering your mess. Mm -hmm. And all these other pastors talking crap about me like I did something wrong. So now, scary over here is big and bad. (laughs) And I say scary because when we was at the church, she would walk the other direction all the way across the building. Mm-hmm. When I showed up to get a signature for my house, mm-hmm. she got in her car and left the building. Wow. And he wouldn't come out to sign the to sign the papers. Gotcha. Because on the papers it said what was the reason why mm-hmm. we were leaving right. the house. And I said he, he had an affair. And because the paper said he was having an affair, he decided he wasn't going to sign it. And she had turned around. In the retrospect of all this stuff going on, Mm -hmm. this chick is on Facebook putting up posts talking about the character of a wife is not the presence of a a ring. No, being a wife isn't the presence of a character. Of a ring, it's the presence of character. And I'm like, what? You ain't got no character. No. You don't have no class. No. Because if you did, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even be, be in this situation. situation. Exactly. You wouldn't exactly. have put yourself in a exactly. relationship you had no being business being connected to. Exactly. Then she exactly. got on there and put up another post saying she was going to have a five-pound baby girl with wow. her new husband. Mind you, we still married. Divorce papers hadn't even been fi- filed yet. Wow. So, <laughs> so, but like I said, the, the, the abuse wasn't just from him. It was in the church as well because of the way that the pastor handled it as yeah. well. But then, you know, when, when you have a connection with God, God will show you things and let you know things. Absolutely. And I had a moment where I was, I was just outdone, basically. I was like, God, I don't understand why things are being handled the way they're being handled, why I'm being treated the way I'm being treated. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had done something and I was getting dragged through the mud, I could understand that. Right. But in this aspect, there is nothing that I've done to him so bad for him to ever have put his hands on me. Right. For him to go out and cheat. I wanted to break it up at this point because Sabrina made a valid point and posed a really valid question that we as women ask ourselves every day when we are faced with um, trials and tribulations in a relationship, we always question ourselves and what we did in the relationship and how we could change. And, um, and, and then it always turns into the spiritual aspect. God, what, why are you doing this to me? And I think, we, we, we had such great conversation. We definitely did not end there, but I wanted to stop there so we can have that, that, that question marinate within us and, and see when have we asked ourselves that question? During what time in our lives? And 
what was the conclusion that we came up with? Did we further blame ourselves or did we start to really pull the pieces together to say, okay, we all played a part in this, but did it have to be that bad that you put your hands on me? And I think that is the main question that Sabrina wanted to know. We had all these years together. Why did you choose now to put your hands on me? What was going on so bad in your mind, in your life, that you felt it was okay? And then being a man of God, how do you justify that? So I, I appreciate Sabrina for bringing those points. And, you know, I put that out there to all the listeners and think about not only your relationship, but relationships that you had friends talk to you about. Because we, we are often the sounding board for a lot of our friends, men, women, both, you know, we, we call our best friends and say, hey, this is what's going on. What, what can I do? And sometimes it just takes that moment of clarity that says, ding, it's not me. It's something within the other person, he or she, right? So I, I, I just wanted to stop there and just put that question out there. Um, so this is only part one. We have another part of Sabrina's story. And I just want to thank everyone for listening and sharing and subscribing. And if you have not, um, please uh, subscribe, like, rate the show. If you have comments, definitely uh, send your comments to me. I, I would love to hear them. And also, um, you can email me, dc at thesoulfuleclectic.com, or you can reach me on my Facebook page and my Instagram page as well. And that's also The Soulful Eclectic. So thank you again. And again, this is only part one. And part two will be coming up shortly. And please, if there's anything that resonates within our conversation, please share. I, I love to hear from you. So I wish you all peace, love, and, you know, just check in on each other, especially during this time. Namaste. Namaste.